Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He scores! This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and Jamie Rivers. Gentlemen, gentlemen, how are you? How's everybody doing? I'm good. Yeah. It's going to be tough for me to concentrate with this guy all dressed up like that. Looking sharp. Oh, it's a new shirt, wow. too. It fits nice. Oh, my goodness. When are, good. when are they going to put the announcers back out on the road? Uh, April, I believe. Okay, so it's still going to be a couple. Well, I guess that makes sense, though, with everything. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel bad at this point for you guys that are back in the studio that are trying to do this mm-hmm. on TV. It just seems like it is pretty difficult. Yeah, I didn't really realize. You know, at first you think, okay, like how how much more difficult can it be? And it's not that I was like not believing, you know, what Panger and JK were saying or Curbs and Joey where they had bro- broadcast from watching it on TV until you do it. And the two, there's two of the three times that I've done the in-game that have been from a monitor. It's not even close to having the same feel. And just our monitor, not, not like a couple of them. No, just- they have a couple of different views, but like the games I've done were like the Canadian feed. So what's hard about that, it's not the Bally's truck. It's not the Bally's people. It's their director, their producers, and they're pulling replays. and They're doing everything they can for your team. But not necessarily like here, if there's something I see in a game, I like hit the talk back and I talk to the truck and like, hey, grab that Justin Falk hit or grab that pinch by Tory Krug. And then when we come out of break or the next whistle, they'll have a replay and that's how it works. And now I can talk about what we just saw with the people in Canada. They just pull whatever. So if they see a, a play like a Robert Thomas, beautiful pass that I want to talk about and I'll be like, Timmy, that's the guy's name. Timmy, get me Robert Thomas. He's like, I'll try then we'll come back, and I'll be talking about the Robert Thomas pass, but the replay they pulled was like a hit from Buchnevich. Right. And that's what goes on the air. And then so you're talking about well, Robert Thomas with a great pass. and Oh, Pavel Buchnevich, of course, too. Look, at he's doing the dirty. So, so you're just thinking on your feet. You're thinking on your feet. You've talked about this before with the pre, in between, and post, how you're talking. One of the things that, that was you didn't realize and it was startling at first is when you're talking to us, Somebody's talking to oh, you yeah. in your ear. Is it happening like that? With the oh, play it's even worse play? in game. Really, it's worse in game because you have a smaller window to get like to what you're saying. Because John Kelly, he's got to get back to calling the play. So when you have a window there and you don't know how long it is, so at least like pre and post when they have a segment or Scott Warman or Alexa pass it over to me or Bernie, they can say okay, sixty seconds, thirty seconds, kind of give you a countdown. So like now you know you should be wrapping it up or getting to your point, but in game. Like, the referees might do the quick drop, 
and now I'm halfway through what I'm saying or describing, I have to find a way to put a bow on that thing or... If I talk over the call and somebody scores, like that's just bad TV. Uh, talk about Alexa Dat. She's new to the broadcast team. She came over from was it ESPN or NHL Network? NHL and MLB Network. Okay, that's I saw her in both those things. I thought she was fantastic. I think she's fantastic. Yeah. I, I honestly, and I don't mean I, I feel like she like should be in the national scene of things yeah. with the way that yeah, that, think, that she covers and handles. I think we're lucky to have her for yeah. sure. She has a different uh, way of going about it, which is I think kind of where TV is headed like right now and moving forward and we see with the with the Manning cast and we see that it's very much more relaxed TNT with Shaq and Charles and TNT with hockey it's way more relaxed right they want more discussion rather than interview with the analyst and the host and so when she came in and doing major league baseball and NHL network it's very much a conversation so it's not like hey Jamie what do you think of this and wait 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 and when I'm done Moving on to the next point, it's she'll have something to add to it, or mm-hmm. she'll ask another question based upon what I just said, and it, it creates that conversation. And I think that that's good. People want to hear. People are interested by conversation. That's why mm-hmm. podcasts do so good. That's why Howard Stern, like you, you tune in to listen to the conversation, yeah, the right. interview, or right, whatever right. it is. Right? You don't tune in to listen to you know an interview where it's just questions and answers questions and answers it's the back and forth that makes it it's just like radio it's it's like you're eavesdropping on a conversation yes that's the best way to do it yeah man how do well you done, jeff thank you how do you prepare for the game but not over <laughs> oh for hey, the oh. game for Sorry. like when you're not when you're working the game, the game yeah. you know My because bad. you don't want to i'm sure you probably don't want to to study too much necessarily but at the same time you got to know what's going on so what's like what what's the prep like well the prep is it's it, it, there's a lot of prep and, and for me, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be like, oh, poor Jamie. But I've got four hours of radio to prep for too, and it's not just hockey. Right? It's baseball, football. I mean, you name it. I've got to talk about it. Right? Right now with the baseball CBA stuff, I have to know what's going on in the CBA and be able to speak of it. And the NFL with their free agency and the draft and the college kids and all this stuff. And I talk blues, so I do a whole bunch of prep for four hours of radio. The good part about it is the prep that I do for the blues directly can be used in my broadcast. So the prep, I, I'm not double prepping per se. Right. Um, I, I'm just using single prep in order to talk about things for pre and post. Now, in-game is different because the game tells a story. Right. Yeah. And so there's no pre- you can't prepare for the future. Like, it's very difficult. But what you can do is prepare for certain scenarios or certain players. If things go a certain way, you've got something that you remember. And like, oh, by the way, Claude Giroux, you know, Ottawa guy, born and raised, and uh, you know you can just talk crap about a guy for a second, and then boom, you move on. You know, so there's certain things that you can be prepared for. Right on. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to read the article on the athletic that I mentioned to I you. I did yet. not, man. I ran out of time, dude. The Hull article. Oh my god, it's incredible. Well, isn't it? first of all, it's I can't even remember everybody who told stories about Hull in this in this <laughs> article. You did, uh, Turgeon Chase. Uh, people with the Dallas Stars, every well, one of his Hitchcock, teammates, Brendan Morrow, Marty Turco, your buddy uh, Mike Keenan, yeah, Mike Keenan. I mean, just telling stories on Brett Hall, like you, you would not believe, but he did this, blah blah blah. It is an amazing read, worth 
the price of subscription or prescription or whatever it is. Same thing. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. you think? Did you did you read it? I know you. I were read a, the whole thing. I thought it was it, awesome. But. And the best part about it too is. The version to some of these stories have been tapered down. Right, right. The PG thirteen version. Well, they're they're probably more like PG like sixteen. I don't know if that's a rating. <laughs> sure, but they're not the NC seventeen version of well, it's it. Holly, so PG sixteen. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well done. One well of my done. favorites was besides yours, which was hilarious because that kind of it kind of pulls the curtain back on a phrase that yeah. we all talk about and where it came from. People have no idea. They thought, uh, we can get to that. Go ahead. Yeah. But uh, the Pierre Turgeon, a couple with Pierre Turgeon, and it was all about why the hell aren't you passing me the puck? Pretty much. And there was one where the two of them, uh, uh, Turgeon and Hall were coming down at a two-on-one, and Turgeon shot and either missed or the goalie made the save or whatever. He came back over, and he had in his head how many goals he has scored so far in his career and how many Turgeon has scored in his career, and maybe you ought to pass me the puck, and I'll score. <laughs> so I don't know if it was the same game or not, but it was another two-on-one. Turgeon throws a pass, you know, does a sauce one up in the air, and it's like two foot in the air, and he slaps it into the goal. For a goal, comes back to the bench. He says, I didn't say it had to be a good pass. Yeah. <laughs> And it, that's, uh, the, that's, that's amazing, I was man. there for that one. That's I was the there for G that. version of all of these. They're it, just fantastic. It was incredible because they came back to the bench, and Hully just looked straight ahead. Didn't look down the bench, left or right, straight ahead. And he was like, 532 <laughs> goals. Pause. And he's like, 330-something goals. Pass me the puck. <laughs> and nothing else was said. And guys are like, oh, my God. And then the next time they go down, Terz, there's no way Terz wasn't going to pass it right. to him because Terz was pissed. Like, oh, yeah, screw you, Holly. Yeah. So he gave him a pass, and Holly kind of just knocked it down and, and roofed it. And he comes back. He goes, I didn't even say it had to be a good pass. <laughs> and every amazing. time he talked crap, he went out there and scored a goal and came back and continued talking crap. I mean, there are very few people that can be like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? you got to be able to deliver if yeah. you are going to talk like oh, yeah. that. You know what I mean? And obviously he can and did. One of the best ones, and it's in this article at The Athletic, is the, um, the Brett Hall Gretzky kind of interaction. And, you know, Holly... First of all, Holly hated everybody's hockey stick but his own. Everybody. Like, everybody uses the worst stick, bad curve, bad flex. Oh, my God. How can you even play with this? Or, oh, oh, it's all coming to me now. You know, like, he'd look yeah. at his stick and he'd throw it on the ground and be like, it's all coming to me now. No wonder I can't get a flat pass. You know, like, one of those things. And it was always, like, as he's walking away, he'd have that, like, that grin, you know, like right. that little ish eaten grin. And it was all a joke to him. But when Gretz got here, he's looking at Gretz's stick, and it is bad. I mean, it is bad. It's a straight blade, big, fat goalie blade, heavy stick, like just not good to look at at all. Obviously, the great one did miraculous things. Knew with what that. he was doing with yeah, it. Yeah, he's just fine. And Hollywood goes over and he goes, he said something about, I, I, I'm paraphrasing it, but basically saying, this is the worst stick ever, blah, blah, blah. I can't even believe you play with that. And Gretz looks at him and says, Something like 890 goals with that stick, Brett. And he goes, imagine how many more you'd score if you'd use a good stick. <laughs> use my stick. Use, use my 1,400 stick. Yeah, you know, 1,400 yeah. or something. To Wayne Gretzky. <clears throat> yeah, Wayne Gretzky. But you alluded to it, but in the article, everybody that talks about it says, and it was a joke, and if he if he joked with you, that meant he cared for you, and it yeah. was all fun and, and games. Here's the thing I learned about Holly, and this is what actually, this is what 
created the friendship between Holly and I is, and it was kind of intimidating at first. I was 18 years old and Holly come over and kind of make fun of you. And you're like, okay, like my personality is two things. One, I'm pretty cool about it, you know, but then after a while I'm like, Hey, you want to go talk about it? Like, just right. you and I? Like, let's just go outside. Let's At talk point, about it. At point, you're like, let's step yeah, outside. Like, right. I'm not worried about it. Like, you want, is there something we should handle? You know? But I never got to that point with Holly. Um, one day he came in, it was at the old Brentwood rink, and he had said something about, I don't know, something that happened on the ice. And I fired back at him. I forget what I said. It was basically something, well, if you'd, if your feet weren't, dipped in cement you'd have been able to get to the puck or oh, something like that boy. Yeah. and he goes I like that <laughs> he, and he yells down the hallway he's like this one can stay <laughs> and then we went out to lunch to the train wreck that day um, had we were over served beer and, that's their fault and wings and so we stayed for dinner um, and then post dinner and uh, yeah and that was it that was the beginning of the friendship between Holly and I and I just always gave it back to him or yeah. I would just get preemptive on it and just go after him and, and just carve it's, him up it's so funny uh, that that really does kind of mirror your and I relationship and yours and Donnie's relationship too because early on it was you gave me so much crap and then I would give it back to you and like Okay, I can hang out with this guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, a little bit. Also, I, I could drink too. I, I, that's a good I find, point. Not, I find as, it, not as much as you. I find it fascinating, you, though, man, that that you have this kind of personality that is not like an easy personality to be around. But it feels like that's kind of the team mentality, though, man. Like oh, there's Donnie, all different on, kinds though. of personalities. Right there. It is so easy to be around Holly. Really, it's amazing. He he is an incredible friend. And, like, he's super intelligent, by the way. And if you have any problems with, like, you know, your money, business, family stuff, I mean, he may not be the pillar of, like, hey, look at how great I am at doing but he can help you with information. Uh, so he's extremely intelligent. He's well thought out. He's caring. He cares. Like, if you have problems going on or whatever, he's going to talk to you. He's going to try and help out. He's going to go out of his way to find somebody to help. So his personality, it, that's just kind of his character, like, that's the character he plays yeah, in life. sure. It's not really who he is. And so when you get behind the curtain, you get the real Holly, and he's an amazing guy. He'd do anything for you. So that's get awesome. behind the curtain about uh, you and him at the Stanley Cup parade. Oh, God, yeah. So This is in that article. All right. It's, yeah, it's in there. But we all know how the parade ended, where there was, I mean, I don't even know how many tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of people at the arch grounds mm-hmm. there. And there was a massive delay all the alumni arrived there. Everybody seemed to get there, except the players weren't there. Well, we didn't know what the hell was going on. We see now the video of Bennington riding a little bike and whatever. Like, the boys were having some fun, but that delayed them getting to the arch grounds. And so we're sitting there, and we're we're pretty plowed. Like, we can, we're cross-eyed. And Holly has um, a drink in one hand, a beer in the other, and no, yeah. Two beers in his hands. That's right, because he had ran out of the alcohol, uh, and he was pissed about that, which is fine, because we were all like sitting there. Not that we were pissed. We were like, oh, hey, let's keep this going, because the Blues did an awesome job with all that, by the way. But he looks at me, or he looks out there. He's looking. They're all like, there's not like they're bored. Like they're going to get restless. He was worried about the fans, like being out there and like nothing going on, and the stage is empty because everybody's waiting for the parade. Everybody's to, waiting yeah. for the players to arrive, and so Holly goes, looks at me, goes. Hold my beer. I mean, just like the the whole thing that's been created, like hold my beer, that whole thing. 
I think Holly started it. I swear to God. <laughs> He's like, hold my beer. And then he walks up the stairs, and I'm watching him. And he gets up to the microphone, and Doug Armstrong comes and stands right next to me. He goes, what's he doing? I go, I don't know. Doug, I have no idea. <laughs> but I said, I bet it's going to be good. <laughs> so Harmy's standing there, and uh, we're drinking, and Holly's still drinking and talking to the fans and getting them riled up. And then out of nowhere comes the We Went Blues. We don't go blues. We went blues. And I was like, oh, my God, what is he doing right now? And then eventually, um, I think the blues were, and the people were, the guys were starting to arrive. And so they're like, okay, let's. Uh, Your time slot is up. You may want to go get him now type thing. And so I think Curbs and Panger kind of wrapped it up with him. And Holly gives the, you know, the fist and people are going crazy. He walks down and he looks at me. He goes, we went blues. <laughs> Let him figure that one out. And we still <laughs> Dude, he's just a legend. Yeah, like, like, just it like was a incredible. legend. Incredible. Oh, man, he, oh, he's man. just a great time. Man. I, I still, guys, when I when I think, I mean, like, I have been pretty lucky in my career to get to interview most of the of the rock stars that I love. I mean, yeah. not all of them, but a real Even some good. You don't love, yeah, right. But a good job. chunk of them. But man, like when we got to sit with him and talk to him. And 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 kind of get into that brain a little bit about the blues, about hockey. That was one of the coolest things and that I've ever gotten to do. Man. And there's no canned cliche answer. With oh that. hell no, man! You know because you, you the 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 current players when you listen to it, and I'm not going to point anybody out, but there are certain blues players that when after their like post game interview, I I feel like they're walking away going, okay, I got twelve cliches in there. <laughs> You know, like the boys are saying, here's how many cliches you got to do on your next interview or something. Holly's never like that, man, at all. No. No. Uh, That's one thing I'll say that I learned throughout my career, actually from the very beginning, is I never wanted to give cliche answers. I wanted to answer the the question truthfully. Now, sometimes you can't be 100% honest because it'll sewer somebody or it gives information that you shouldn't and looks bad, you know. So you have to be smart enough to realize that you're not going to be a donkey here. But try to answer it honestly. Give something to the reporter that nobody else has access to. And that's why they're asking you those questions. They want to find out, like, what went wrong, what happened, or who you are, or what's going on, what's ticking in your head. So I always tried to give an answer that was, you know, more elaborate and less cliche. Yeah. How... how can you kind of talk about the trust that I would assume most of the time does not exist between, say, radio and TV and the locker room? And 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 how do you, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with if 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 you feel like somebody's coming into the room and is maybe writing some things that you know are, are not favorable, or you know, how do you gain that trust with 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 somebody in that industry? Well, to, to where you'll say something yeah. that you wouldn't say to somebody else is what I mean. Oh, it's a process. Yeah, there has there the, the trust is built. It's not just given because, and especially especially today's day and age where everybody's looking for clicks, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, talking about something positive is really not all that interesting. But anytime you can throw something kind of controversial, you're getting the clicks, and so. That's why the trust is harder to build nowadays. But back in my day when we first came in, when I first came into the NHL, um, one, you asked the players, you know, what's this guy like? Yeah, I'm supposed to talk to so-and-so. Or then, and it would be something along the lines of, oh, great guy, you know, just 
answer everything he's got. He's going to make you look good type thing. Or watch what you say. Mm-hmm. Watch what you say and make sure you say it very clearly because it's going to get jumbled somehow. And that's what it is. You live. You live and learn at that point. And the ones who you can't trust, they get the very generic answers. Mm-hmm. They get the answers that um, are short, sweet, and have absolutely no substance to it. Did you did you guys see the and this this is just on the topic of a relationship between pro athletes and the media. Tim McKernan's story about uh, Barry Bonds. Like you know he was a 21-year-old for KMOV, you know, the TV doing sports and he was covering Cardinals or whomever it was and whoever Barry Bonds was playing for at the time was in town and he tried to get an interview with him. And I think this was during the home run chase, but I'm not positive. And uh, somehow he got a conversational interview with him, just like two dudes BSing. And I know I'm butchering the story, but the next time he was on the field and Barry Bonds was in town, Bonds walked up to him and said, hey, man, I remember you. And he turned around and went, can I get an interview with you? And Barry went, oh, man, and just walked away. Because he was one of those guys that just wanted to have that natural relationship. We BS you, take some quotes and move yeah. on. Not like I, I have to use you for an interview. Yeah. Do you have you had? And I, I know you're not in the locker room after the game in that crusher of reporters holding a microphone mm. in somebody's face. But have you had any weirdness with your relationship since you're on this side now? No, I really haven't. And like we uh, with the fast lane, we try the day after. To get whatever player, whatever the story was told the night before, we try to get a player that was the starring role. So whether it's Buchnevich with the goal and two assists, we try to get him. When Robert Bortuzzo had that amazing shift five on three and blocked like ten shots, the next day we got Bobby Bortz on to talk about just things. We have the Chief on once a week. So I don't have to be in the media scrum to get the questions through to the players that I want because usually the Blues are great about getting us the players the next day. And now we can formulate the questions properly and go from there. Um, The interviews aren't usually the problem. The interviews are the easy part because you're really not going to say anything stupid to the player in the interview. People say stupid things during the segments if there's trade talk. And that's one that I tiptoe around because I don't like trading players. Guy hears that really, really Rivs is trading me. Uh, you know, yeah, like I get that. what the hell? Or I, or he's waving me, or I should be bought out. Right, like yeah. so, I I try to not dance around that. I try to answer it honestly. Um, but I've told some of these players, and I you know I still work with some of them in the off season and do some skill work. And I've told them a million times, like I'm going to be honest. So if you don't like what I say, then don't play that way. Yeah. You know, that's the bottom line. It's no different than your coach telling you exactly what went wrong. I see it too. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. Now I'm not going to absolutely lambaste you and make you look like a donkey, but if my credibility's on the line to where I have to discuss a certain player whether they're playing well, whether they're not playing well or a certain play, um if it's great or poor, I'm going to describe it properly. I I I just I could not imagine being a player right now in any major sport with the way that the media is, with the way that social media works. It, it just, I, I would not last long. And at all. you know who's a really good example of that? On his way out of town, Tage Thompson. Remember that? Remember when he left? He was a young kid. Yep, yeah. And he immediately, and social media or wherever, was like, yeah, well, I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance. I think we disputed that just a little bit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely so. But, and I did not know this. He's doing pretty good right now. Dude, I was just, Jamie, I was telling Jeff before we went on the air, I didn't know until I looked a couple days ago, Tage Thompson, 20 goals, 18 assists. Yeah, he's a great player. He's a first rounder for a reason. The problem with Tage Thompson is I think he was thrust into the NHL too quickly. Um, and 
it's taken him time. It's taken him a couple of years in Buffalo still, too. Like, he, we talk about finding your man strength and finding your comfort zone. And that's why I say that Cairo and Thomas are still so dangerous. Like, dangerous now, two years from now. Watch how scary they're going to be. Tate Thompson's hitting that. Tate Thompson's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, yeah, big boy. Uh, great hands. He's a goal scorer. And he was a, a lanky dude. Now he's put on some size. Like... This is why Buffalo was okay trading Ryan O'Reilly for the package that they got. When you go back and look at it, yes, there was an absolute fleecing in the moment by Doug Armstrong. But when you go back and look at that trade, if Patrick Berglund doesn't have some mental health problems and he quits the game and retires, he's still an adequate 15-goal-a-year guy, penalty-killing six-foot-four centerman. You have Saboka, who's supposed to be a third-line checker, probably 10 to 15 goals a year. And then you have Tage Thompson, who projected to be a 25 to 35-goal-a-year player. Well, it looks like he's going to hit that. So when you look at the trade overall, it's not horrible, except for you've lost Saboka and Berglund, and now it looks literally like it's Tage Thompson from Ryan O'Reilly. But right now you're looking at going, holy crap, he's got more goals than Ryan O'Reilly. Well, and every I think they've he... got two first-rounders in that deal, too, if I'm not mistaken as well. Every maybe t- one? I don't know. Every yeah. time I hear the name Berglund, I think great. 12 to 15 really super frustrating goals every year. Whoop. Yes. Berglund. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that whole, the, the whole way that that flamed out was really yeah, unbelievably it, yeah, sad. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. It seemed like was. both of those dudes, Berglund and Swoboka, once they got to Buffalo, they were like, uh, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, they they had it rough. Um, it's sad, and, and, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to run down their entire roster here. But I read today that our buddy Carter Hutton uh, is going to be heading to Toronto. Uh, he's probably headed to the the, the American League. Well, but, but I mean Toronto's American. Yeah, League. yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, because their minor league team is located in Toronto as well. I don't know what the Maple Leafs are doing. They're doing some weird things. Um, I think it's some salary cap stuff. Like with Ryan Dezingle, they went and acquired him and then waived him immediately. So I don't know why they did that. And then they acquired Carter Hutton, who had already went through waivers, so he doesn't even have to report to the Maple Leafs. He'll go right to the Marlies. I don't know what's going on. They're they're setting up to do something. That's I all I can what say. what it is. Yeah. That team is exciting as heck to watch, and that game on Saturday night was an absolute blast to watch. I did not want to get Booch, up from my couch. Guys, did anybody did anybody think that that's what we were getting with Pavel? Absolutely, one hundred percent not. I asked Chief that last week. We had him on the fast lane, and he answered it. You know, and I, again, it was a conversation, right? So I said, "Hey, Chief, listen, I understand." that you guys do your homework and you check out the scouting report and the analytics and all that. And you know what type of player you're getting. But truthfully, this has to even exceed your expectations. And he was honest. He's like, yeah. He's like, you don't always know what you're getting until you have that player. Then once you get that player, you discover just how much better he really is or what his ceiling is, where you thought it was one area, but the ceiling's way higher. And that's Pavel Buchnevich right now. Guys, he's... And this is a bold statement right now. And if there's pushback, please go ahead. He's literally Ryan O'Reilly right now. I don't. I don't have any issue with that. Like at all. he's not a centerman, so it's not apples to apples here. But his defensive play is second to none. He kills penalties. He's scoring goals. He's making plays. He's a big body. 
He's the 200-foot he's player that Craig Berube absolutely loves. Well, it's it's what we say about Ryan O'Reilly is that every time he's on the ice, he's doing something. You know that he's on the ice in yeah. a positive way, and Butchnevich feels that same way. And this is another deal by Doug Armstrong that it was just like, oh, it's a bummer that we're going to lose Sammy Blay. We got this Butchnevich guy. The numbers look good. We had no idea. What we were in store for, and this is another great Doug Armstrong trade. It is a great trade for a couple of reasons. One, um, the Rangers were up against the cap, and they had to find creative ways to get out from under it. Buchnevich was due for a contract. He was due for a raise. The Rangers were not going to be able to provide that for him based upon their salary cap complications. So they found a dance partner in the St. Louis Blues, and timing is everything. Last year, against the Washington Capitals, the Rangers got pushed around. Remember? Tom Wilson ends up grabbing oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. old Panera Bread there and throwing him around like a rag doll. And so the Rangers at that point were like, we need to get tougher. They went and acquired Ryan Reeves. They went and acquired Sammy Blay. Sammy Blay runs around, hits everything that moves. He's an equalizer. He doesn't fight. Not often. Um, but he also has a lot more skill than people ever gave him credit for. And Sammy Blay was on a tear to start the season with the Rangers. He was having a fantastic season. Then, unfortunately, he blew out his ACL, and that was the end of it for him. But his salary going to the Rangers was way lower than, I mean, it it was like a million dollars, I think, whereas Booch is up into three and a half. So that was a circumstance of the Rangers thinking they're getting what they need in a player. In, in the style of Sammy Blay, unloading some extra salary cap to create some space there. But then the Blues acquiring a player who they thought could be a, a perfect Craig Berube 200-foot player, and he is. This is my Petrangelo sadness in me coming out when I yes. ask this. Is <laughs> he is, is Buchnevich signed? Because you said that they weren't going to be able to, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the, Are we going to be able to if he's not signed? Oh, he's signed. Yes, okay. He signed a three-year extension okay. with the Blues here. The Army locked him up pretty quickly. I think he gave a little more than he wanted to. It's, a, it's one of those situations where Army would say, you know, I was a little uncomfortable in the deal. But now I bet you he's not. Yeah, going because back to what you said. At the end of yeah. this, Booch is going to be underpaid. Yeah, you're paying a little more than you thought, but you're getting more than mm. you thought you were going to get too. Yeah, it makes me so excited about the trade deadline because you just wonder what is Professor Armstrong working on in his laboratory right now that none of us have any idea or any you know a player or something that we don't know could improve this team. I kind of feel like it's going to be outside of that group of players that we continue to see. Sherratt, uh, uh, the the kid Jacob from uh, Chickren uh, from Phoenix. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be outside of that realm of things. What do you think? I have a conspiracy theory here. Uh Uh-oh. I like it. I'm here for it. Let's go. Lock it in. I've said it before on the airwaves for the fast lane. If, Jeff, you are an avid listener. Yes, I am. Thank you, by the way. You're very welcome. Zidane Ochara from the New York Islanders. But I thought Homie wanted to stay on the East Coast. He did until this is his last year and he wants to win a cup. And so he wanted to stay on the East Coast with a cup contender. Washington was a cup contender. They didn't do it. Going to the Islanders, who went right to the – like, they, I mean, they made some noise last year. So Z signed there going, okay, maybe I'm the piece. You know, maybe this team's ready. Obviously, that didn't happen. He'll, there's three teams in the West, four teams, actually, that he'll go to in the West. The Avalanche, the Predators, the Blues, and the Knights, the Golden Knights. Those are the four teams that he would waive everything to go to for his last kick at the can. I know these things because Zidane Ochara has the same agent as me. Oh. Now, he hasn't directly told me that. The agent hasn't said, 
you know, nudge, nudge, <laughs> right. wink, 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 anything about it. Uh, but he did say that Z wants to win a championship. So if I'm Doug Armstrong, I'm looking at uh, possibly sending a fourth or a fifth rounder to the Islanders. You acquire Zidane Chara. You really don't have any cap management. He makes 750000 Cut that in half, and your cap hit at like three hundred grand. Yes, that puts you over the cap right now, but you could wave Wallman, and you're just fine. Now, part two of this conspiracy theory Ooh, is, there's a second point. Oh, oh, oh. Is that I liked one. Uh, a certain player that wears number six right now could be... Let's see, on any team or ours? No, on ours. <laughs> that be, makes it a little easier to yeah, figure out. Yeah. Could be part of a deal, along with some other pieces, and I don't know what those other pieces are, uh, headed to Philadelphia for Claude Giroux. And the Flyers are willing to, to my knowledge, would be willing to eat 50% of Claude Giroux's salary cap. So if they're willing to eat 50% of $8 million, do the math, that's $4 million. Cut that in half because it's a trade deadline. Now you have Marco Scandella at full hit at 3.2. You're almost apples to apples at that point. Okay, man, but okay, that's great. Claude Giroux, tremendous player. Mm-hmm. Would, I would bet you that he would be fired up to, to come and play in a race. But, dude, we have unbelievable amounts of forward depth for one, mm-hmm. and we need a D-man, so... You're getting rid of a D-man to get a forward, and we don't need and that. And you're adding Zidane Chara, Donnie. Oh, th- th- this oh, is with Chara, both. too. This okay. is both. Oh, we were thinking okay. you were saying one oh, or no, the no, other. No, no, no. Sorry, both sorry. Both moves to be Oh, done. damn. I'm okay with that. Wow. So you dump number six's salary, and you get a Hall of Famer yep. on the back end. On the back end. And Giroux up front. And Giroux up front. And then you probably have to part yeah, with a couple of lower-tiered players, or maybe one at least off your roster that you'd be willing to move. Um, you know, maybe it's a left-handed shot on the fourth line, guy like that uh, headed over to Philly. Right, you know, maybe yeah. something like that. Sure, would be a bummer, but I get it. Be a bummer, but yeah. you know, you do have other guys that can play that role. And then you plug and play Claude Giroux wherever the hell you want because he plays anywhere. <laughs> How old is he? Is he uh, mid thirties, thirty-two. Oh, okay, that's not too bad. When we talk He's about the point of game guy, oh, that's when we not talk bad about either. blues trades, I get nervous. Like yeah. I get, like, I get know, a little uh, nervous in my his stomach. His face-off percentage is higher than Ryan O'Reilly career. Wow. Holy smokes. So, I don't, this is just in my head when I sit in my, my dungeon and I think of craziness, this is what I come up with. And well, I look at Zidane Chara and here. people push back all the time on, oh, he's 44. I'm telling you, I, I cannot tell you strong enough about a player that is at the end of their career, the energy and the desire and the will that they have to win is incredible. And what he could bring to this team for a playoff run is crazy. I understand in the playoffs what I'm about to ask is probably out the door, but he comes in at the trade deadline. Yeah. Where do you slot him? What do you see? Oh, Minutes him rise right, and all that. I put him right with Colton Pareko, uh, and he's oh. playing... Oh, my God. That's mountains. Yeah, it's uh, mountains. And what it does, it... it can um, he do the minutes, though? He can do about 18, 19 minutes a game. Oh, my. I thought I read he was doing single-digit yeah, minutes. No, that's not factual. Okay. No, his average for the, the last uh, 25 games has been 18. I read it on The Onion. It's got to be right. <laughs> no, that's that not is factual. Jeff, you're done. <laughs> it's, he's averaged anywhere between 18 and 20 minutes a game in the last 20 games. Oh, wow. And, okay. Uh, what it does for Colton Pareko is everything. It's everything. I mean, you got a lockdown guy back there. Colton Pareko can join the attack at will. He can get up the ice. He can create Learn that, uh, so much from him. He can play with maybe a little more intestinal fortitude because he's got the biggest dog in the dog park that can come right in behind and clean up anything he wants to. Oh and Lord. the big dog is willing to. 
he's already beat the snot out of a few guys this year to send a message. And what are the Blues looking for on defense right now? Toughness. Toughness, that sandpaper. Guys are standing in the crease. You're not standing in the crease with Zdeno Chara on the ice. Not, not, you're just not. Guys, there are very few things in my life that I love more than playoff hockey. Oh. And knowing that it's that's on the horizon. Oh, it's just the best. Ah! And with those two, possibly, you you say this is pretty much a sure thing? Right, this is going to happen those tomorrow? Oh, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I just told you guys, this happened in my underground lair. Right, right, right. Maybe a lot of Conspiracy theory. <laughs> I, may, I may or may not even have talked to the agent. I can't remember. Can I ask you two things here Maybe real he quick? hung up on me. Two, two NHL things right quick, and no, that is the changing of the guard in Montreal with Martin St. Louis taking over as the head coach there. And then also, man, Ken Holland is still trying to dig out of this. Edmonton disaster, and they find they fire Tippett. So, do you think Ken Holland one in Edmonton is going to get the time to figure that thing out, or yeah. it just seems like it is a layered, a mess upon a mess upon a mess? Well, Ken Holland's going to get some leeway here because um, he's still unpacking the disaster that he was handed, right? And so, I th- I personally love Ken Holland. You guys know how I yeah. feel. I yeah. think he's a really amazing hockey mind. Uh, I think he's a top-notch GM, and he's a good dude. Like, if he tells you something, you may not like it, or you may love it, but it's exactly 100% the truth. And that's why he was so honest with me in my dealings in Detroit. I mean, I would I would have – I did shed blood for that team, but anything for Ken Holland. And he'll get that from his team now. He'll get there, but he's still sorting through some things. The number one thing he needs is a goaltender. They have absolutely nothing back there. And so he's going to have to put his work boots on and go find a goalie. They get a goalie that can, you know, just give them like a 905, 910 save percentage. Doesn't even have to be in the 920, 930. Doesn't have to be astronomical. They have enough offense that they can be in every single game. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's too many squibblers that are finding their way in, and, and that's just deflating. Right on. And then Martin St. Louis in, in Montreal. Interesting choice because it's almost like the Mike Matheny thing. Yeah. Where he's just coaching Little League or youth hockey, and they're like, hey, how would you like to coach in the NHL? <laughs> now, Marty St. Louis, uh, he's been dealing with NHL guys, you know, much like myself. He does right. a lot of work with the guys. So, And having been a former player, it's never uncomfortable. Like you walk into that locker room, like if I got hired tomorrow to be the head coach of a team in the NHL, I'd be okay. Like, I'm not saying I would be good. I'm not saying it'd be great, but you have the assistant coaches. I already know basically how it rolls, the video work that goes into it, the analytical side of it. Like, you could figure it out. I think Marty St. Louis is there more so for the motivation of a guy that, like, he's a very energetic person. And, you know, he overcame a lot to become the player that he was. So I think his story uh, creates the culture. And he walked in and he's turned that team around. He has and with you. They've won three in a row now, guys. Yeah. And you know what? They had a fight in practice. They I did. talking about that. It, yeah. it was, I talked about it last yeah. week before yeah, they did. played the Blues, Donnie, and I wish I would have shut my mouth, but they had a defenseman who fought a forward in practice. One of them has long hair. One of them has long hair. <laughs> and they're in last place. It's halfway through the season. I told Stalter and Thompson, I'm like, I'm betting everything on the Canadians tonight. <laughs> and they freaking won. And they've won ever since. It's they beat the fault. Maple Leafs last night 5-2. to two. Like, it, they can't even be beat now. It's so amazing to me how this head coaching thing works in all the sports. You, not, you know, it, it just it just seems like it's... It's just so I don't want to say random, but just you know, there's a million other hockey guys that could yeah. that could. But at that least could coach it's random team. now, Donnie. Okay, I'll take random. 
Because for a while there, it was just a recycle bin. Yeah, it was, was guys that didn't like coaches that were flipping around. Like, where's Tortorella going to be? Where's this Tortorella? Year, right? Where's Hitchcock? Where's Alan Vigneault? Where is this guy? Where like it was just like okay, he got fired. Put him back in the hopper. You'll have to wait in line, sir. You're about fourth. Yeah. <laughs> right. So four you're teams up from after, now, you're yeah. up after Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Once wait, hang on. Actually, you'll go in the group over here of players coach. So that actually bumps you up a spot because some of the teams more of a players coach. Had you been a um, a hard nosed coach, well, you'd have to you'd be fifth in line. <laughs> right. So really. It's your fault you're 11th. I'm yeah. sorry. You know what I'm saying? Now at least they're getting outside the box. You know, yeah. Jay Woodcroft has put a lot of time in uh, for a long... He was the video guy uh, for Mike Babcock in Detroit when I was there. So he's Oh, still, wow. He looks like he's about 35. Yeah, he, he's a young-looking dude, uh, but he's put in the work. You know, he's been that guy that's hour upon hour upon hour in the video and dissecting and learning, and then he got to be elevated to an assistant coach, and then he went to the minors as a head coach, and now he's getting his chance like... So there is a story there, but it's nice that that Kenny Holland, of course, his relationship with Jay Woodcroft, knowing him from the Detroit days, has a confidence to bring the young guy in and and hand him Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, for one thing. And then I think it's great that Montreal said, you know, screw it. Let's go with Marty St. Louis. Now, it really makes sense, though. I mean, you have this iconic French hockey player that people just love, even though he never played for the Canadians. You bring him in, and you get you get fan interest immediately. But but that does make a big deal that he's bilingual and can speak to the French media up there. That's a huge deal, it right? Is, it is pertaining to the fact that both Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes can't. Okay, the GM and the president really can't communicate in French, and that was a big that was a big thing for Jeff Molson, the owner. Is like I can't hire somebody who can't speak French. I think people talked to him, and he figured it out. And now, though, the move was to go with a, a French coach. So now if the GM and the president of hockey operations can't speak French, to which they shouldn't really be talking to the media anyway for on a regular basis, Sure, but your head coach can, and he's a very beloved French-speaking player from that area, you get the free pass. Would you, you're the guy that has a little bit of head coaching experience with the St. Charles Chill. If they came to you and said, hey, man, we got this team, you'd be perfect head coach for, would you drop everything and try it? Uh, yeah, for a head coach, yeah, absolutely. Uh, mostly because it's life-changing money nowadays. Okay. I mean, yeah. let's just be Wait, honest. Radio's yeah. not, radio's, you don't have a summer well, home yet? Jeff, not everybody's on the Rizzuto show. Okay? <laughs> Guess oh. what? Guess what? Not everybody's last name is Rizzuto either. It's <laughs> a good point by you. And by a the couple way, good singers by both of you guys. From 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., I am hearing your voice on commercials on our radio station, so you're yeah. doing okay, I think. Yeah, I'm all right, but yeah. uh, nothing close not to NHL, what head coach NHL, head, <laughs> NHL head coaches are near from like uh, $1.5 million to six seven million dollars oh, wow. a year so depending on where you go like even if i got hired for two years let's say i made three million dollars in two years i can always go back to radio right you know um so yes i would take the opportunity i've been offered jobs in the past as assistant coach and things like that I, it's not that i didn't have the desire to do it because it was there at one time but now with Synergy Hockey here, um, running my own business, and with the radio show, and with TV, with Bally's, that are, nothing's ever for sure. Okay? Right. I understand that. But the, the consistency of those three jobs is way higher. The percentages are higher to stay in those jobs than it is to be an assistant coach somewhere. And for those who don't know, Synergy Hockey is, is personalized hockey training. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, skill training for youth hockey players all the way up to NHL guys, and we do hockey camps, which, by the way, we just released our summer camp schedule. Go to SynergyHockeySkills.com, and uh, we've got 11 straight weeks of summer camps this summer. So it's good youth, for That is 11 kids. straight weeks of opportunity for Donnie and I to come out there with the video crew. Yeah! yeah. 
That yes. would be awesome. Yes. It would absolutely be awesome. Yeah, Wait, are we just are we just watching Jamie or are we? Oh no, we're going to pad you up. Yeah, we're scared. You're going to be the goalie. Oh, I'm not. No, no. What we're going to do is we're going to put you guys with the six and seven year olds doing their drills. Beautiful. You know what? Better. Let me me tell you something. I'll kick all their asses. Yeah, those drills too. Donnie, since we're going to be recording it, let's not do that. The last time I was on the ice with you, I couldn't do that. Last time I was on the ice with you for a video for the show, and I left my skate guards as I stepped on as I stepped on the ice. I need to come back from that. Yeah, and that you do that was about fifty pounds ago for you too. Oh yeah, that when you was, see that video, holy! It's cow. crazy. My 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 youngest daughter last night was showing a video of me, and I don't know. I was checking out this like mini horse at like some zoo, and I was just giggling. I'm like, look, I want to buy a little mini horse, but that's nothing to do with the story. But I was watching the video, and like, oh my god, yeah, I looked like the Kool Aid guy. I was like, hey, Kool-Aid! And there comes Rivers. <laughs> I wanted any horse. <laughs> so, yeah. Was that the moment where you were just like, I got to do something about this? It was pretty much in that moment, yeah. And I was like, I ain't doing that. And, yeah, that's about 62 well, pounds You could ago. still hit the slap shot. I mean, a lot of visuals in the last 30 seconds. Yeah. Miniature horses. You need a new one? You know, no. Okay. No, 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 no. We're, sure? we're good. I got some material. Last, right, minute, blue, last, visual, Jeff, last minute Blues podcast. Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango. As always, share us with your hockey-loving friends. And let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals.